This is the weekly podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. And since this was Labor Day weekend, the anyone who may have missed category was fairly large this week. But we want to mention a special thanks to those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This sermon was from September 4th, 2022. The text was 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verses 17 through 25. So anyway, on Sunday mornings, we are, we are working through 1 Timothy. Um, This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy during a time when Timothy was working some kind of a shepherding role at a church, and Paul wanted to share advice and counsel with Timothy, so he wrote this letter. And Paul covers quite a range of topics in his letter, and sometimes it's kind of hard for me to follow some of the logical flow of these ideas, but... For example, in last week's passage, Paul talked about how the church should care for widows within the congregation, and Jerry covered that. You can find that on the website or on Facebook. But but right after talking about how the church could care for widows, Paul begins to talk about how the church can care for or relate to its leaders. He calls them the elders. And, And so the first thing I spent some time doing when I was preparing for this sermon was trying to figure out, or at least to make a guess, as to what Paul's train of thought was, that he went from one to the other. So this is my my best guess, but I don't don't claim to be reading Paul's mind at this point. But I feel like he's saying something along the lines of, Timothy, the church needs to take care of people, and in your congregation you have some women who are all alone— And they need their congregation to help them and to support them in this time. But Timothy, you also have some people who have left jobs or occupations or other things in order to serve the church. And they also need the congregation to gather around them and to help them in this time. And so Paul, if that's, if that's what I, if I'm on the right track though, Paul is sort of following along this idea of the church caring for some groups of people that the church needs to care for. And he writes about elders in this passage, but uh, I got to thinking, you know, Tressler never uses the word elders at all. And even congregations that I know of that do use the word elder, they don't always seem to be consistent with one another. It gets used in different ways. So I, I was trying to figure out if I could could figure out how Paul might have been using this word and at least sort of give some background there. But it's a little bit of a guess because of the resources I have. I got some varying, varying thoughts there. So this is my best guess based on what I read, but it, you might find people who argue with this. In some congregations, um, the, the leaders were elders. Actually, sometimes the elders may have been leading over groups of congregations. And so these elders oversaw the work of the church. And in English, the word elder has a connotation of age, but it's also used for an office. It had the same exact situation for Paul. So, and if you read the Gospels, you'll see that the Jewish people had elders within their, in their group. And so you'll find that in the, in the Gospels referring to those leaders. So it's just something that they pulled from their their Jewish background, and maybe beyond. So the church is using this word to refer to those who have an office of oversight, of authority, 
but it also has a connotation of age, of wisdom, of earned respect. And so the elders appear to have had this role of overseeing or over, over uh, superintending or overseeing the work, and that's why the best guess is, at least from what I read, that's why in chapter 3, when Paul was writing about calling leaders of the church, he used overseers and deacons. So people maybe argue a little bit, but there's some guess that these elder, the role of elders and the role of overseers that he was talking about are the same, depending on which area you're focusing. So in chapter 3, he was talking about the work they're doing, the overseeing of the congregation, and in this, he's talking about the idea of those who are, are, um, have earned their place and their respect and their authority within the church. But in chapter 3, we can tell that there were many, many other people within the congregation who were also serving in various ways. And that's one thing to remember as we're working through here. The, the servants of the church that Paul writes about in chapter 3 probably did a lot of the actual work and ministry of the day-to-day -day things that the church was doing, but it was under this overseeing of the elders. And the servants that Paul was, was thinking about when he wrote chapter 3 are who he called deacons, because that's what it means. It means servants. And actually, in our Bibles, many times when the word deacon is used, it's translated as servant, except in some cases, such as chapter 3, where it gets transliterated. So this is my best guess as to how it was structured, but seeing people argue about this, you had elders who were overseeing the work of the church and servants who were doing a lot of the work in ministry. And so I, I don't want to waste your time or your thoughts, but as we read this, one natural question that people ask is, well, well who in our congregation is Paul talking about? I'm not going to answer that for you, but maybe if you have an idea of what Paul might have been thinking when he used the words, you can think about it and come up with those answers. So it seems to me that in this section, Paul is writing about how the church should care for people who are leading, and he divides his advice into three different categories. So in the care of the elders, there is financial care, accountability care, and what I'm calling care through caution. And I think that financial care often gets the bigger focus, but if you actually look at the text and break it out, Paul gives about equal uh, time to each one of these. So I think it's important, but not the most important. So we'll start there because Paul does in verses 17 and 18. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain, and in another place those who work deserve their pay. So Paul uses some other scriptures to make his case, to explain his logic, and essentially it seems to be if, if you have a farm animal that is doing work for you, you have obligation to care for and provide for that farm animal. And then the same, you can extend that logic to the people then, who are even more important than the animals. And this would be true if you are an employer or you hire people. I think the logic would flow. If they are serving you, it becomes your obligation to make sure their needs are met. But in this case, Paul is using it in a congregational setting. If somebody is doing work to serve the needs of the congregation, the congregation has a reciprocal obligation to make sure that the needs of this person are met. So as churches today don't always have the same structures as each other and not necessarily the same as what Paul was talking about, but I think the principle is pretty straightforward, that those who give time and energy to serve a group of people deserve to have that group of people take care of them. 
It seems that the logic would flow that no leader should ever be poorer than the congregation he serves. The sacrifices of that leader shouldn't result in him having a lower standard of living than the other people around. Um, you can maybe argue that a little bit, but that seems to be a fairly good conclusion there. I, I would add, not that I like to add to scripture, but if you're asking my opinion, the corollary is also true, that no congregation should be asked to sacrifice to a level that results in their leader having tremendous affluence. But that's, that's less dealt with in scripture. Perhaps it was less of a problem, I'm not sure. But anyway, Paul makes special reference, if you notice, to those who work hard preaching and teaching. But he doesn't limit the care of the congregation only to those people. And so I think probably, in Paul's mind, the people who were teaching and preaching had extra work, extra time involved, and they needed extra support. But, but I think sometimes in our congregations, we tend to focus primarily on those roles. They're visible, they're observable, and we give financial support there, and we're less inclined to give the support to people who have more invisible roles but are still serving within the congregation. I think Paul would say it's okay to have you have a special focus for those who do more time and effort but don't forget those who are leading, but more invisible, who are also serving their congregation well. And I wonder if congregations would benefit from keeping that in mind. We often ask elders or leaders who are serving in more invisible roles to do this on a volunteer basis, essentially. But if part of the goal of the compensation is to make it possible for them to have the time to do this well, we would be assuming that we're asking them to do something less well than they would if we helped them out. But anyway, that's enough talk about financial support, an awkward thing to talk about when you're preaching at your own congregation. Much more enjoyable, probably, if you're asked to preach somewhere else. But the next thing that Paul talks about is what I'm calling accountability care. This is from verses 19 through 21, and Paul says, Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church, and this will serve as a strong warning to others. I solemnly command you, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus and the highest angels, to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. I don't think we put enough emphasis on this idea of accountability care, the world is really full of stories of people who have been leading a church and have fallen and the, and the repercussions of that. I know that some people have been listening occasionally to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I had stumbled on that, and then it has come up multiple times in the men's Bible study on Tuesday morning. So people throughout this area have been listening to this, and I... I if you haven't, I'd encourage you to go and listen to it sometime. It's not a podcast that goes on and on every week with a new episode forever and ever. It is more of a documentary kind of idea, but done with audio rather than video. And you might figure, what do you care about the church from 20 years ago and their leader? It's less about one church than it is about our culture and the way we struggle to call and maintain healthy leaders but it uses one congregation and their leader as sort of a case study of this. So anyway, if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to go and do that. It'll give you some insight, perhaps, as to some of the things that Timothy is talking about. We tend to blame somebody when they fall, 
And I'm definitely not trying to excuse any pastors who, who sin, who make bad choices. But when we don't offer proper accountability to leaders, we put them in a really hard place. So church leaders need accountability. But actually, the first thing that Paul says is, is kind of the other way around. He says, trust your leaders. Don't listen to rumors or gossip. His wording is, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. So a little earlier in this letter, in chapter 3, you might remember Linford was actually talking about it this week. And he had, Paul had written some characteristics or qualifications of people who are leading. And you, I won't re-preach that sermon. He talked about them being above reproach, self-controlled, wise, not quarrelsome, not greeting. So, so when, when Paul is writing about these people, he has already said, these are the kind of leaders that you must call. These are the kind of people that they need to be. And then in that context, he says, okay, now trust them. When somebody brings an accusation, don't handle it unless it's confirmed by two or three witnesses. But leaders do fail sometimes. And when that happens, then he says you need, well, I'll read it. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. And this will serve as a strong warning to others. And then Paul goes on and he adds something I think pretty important. He says we should never, ever have favoritism. His wording is really quite... um, Quite strong, I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. So it doesn't matter who this elder might be. It doesn't matter if this is somebody that the whole church loves and disciplining them might bring the whole church down. It doesn't matter if this elder is your brother or your son. This doesn't doesn't matter. You need to not show any favoritism when you are executing Paul's commands here, when there is accountability that is needed. So one of the really saddest things about that podcast, but also some of the most informative is that when a congregation does not offer accountability, when it begins to show favoritism within leaders, then you begin to set somebody up in a place of failure. And eventually, in that case, the church disintegrated. So elders need trust, but they also need accountability, and there should never be favoritism. And the last thing that Paul says is what I'm calling care through caution. I spent a long time trying to figure out some sort of a pithy word here. But the idea that, well, I'll read the passage here. Um, Paul says, never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourselves pure. Keep yourself pure. So in chapter 3, Paul had written that the church should never call overseers who are new believers. He seems to be saying essentially the same thing here. People need some time to mature. When we call somebody too early, we're again putting them in a really dangerous and difficult place. And if they fail, if they fall, if they hurt people, we as a congregation that called them prematurely actually share in that responsibility. And not only do we hurt them and the congregation in that moment, but we can really lose a lot of what might have been had we waited and given them time to grow. I know this creates some tension and some difficulty sometimes. We see somebody who's young and excited and vibrant, and there's a strong tendency to just whip them right into to, to leadership and to put them down and make them on your board or your, as your assistant pastor. And, but Paul seems to be saying, no, no, you've got to wait. And that's why I wanted to 
to spend just a little bit of time at the beginning when I was talking about the idea that it seems in Paul's mind there were multiple offices. There were those who were in oversight, and then there were a lot of servants who were doing the work. So this church, in Paul's mind, I think would have had lots of opportunity for those young and excited and passionate people to serve with great freedom and flexibility, but they would have been under the oversight of somebody else. Be very slow to take somebody and put them too quickly into a place of offering oversight over somebody else. And Paul writes, he says more, I think it's related. In 24 and 25, she says, remember the sins of some people. Excuse me, let me start that over. Remember the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment, but there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. So when you know somebody for years and years and years, when you've seen them when they're angry and joyful and prosperous and in need, it's in those moments when we begin to finally see a good sense of their maturity and their talents and whether they are right to be called into these kind of positions of oversight. I think there's a reason that in our language and in Paul's, the word for elders has the connotation of age or oldness. It takes, it takes time to mature. So a lot of the work of the church should be done by people who are, who are servants in all sorts of capacities, but the oversight would be for people who have long demonstrated and earned their place of authority. So there's one more verse. I guess that's why you should always follow along in your Bibles. How, would you have known that I skipped this verse if you if you, weren't, if you weren't following along, verse 23, don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. So since one of the things I always try to do is to figure out how is Paul, what is Paul's logical flow? I feel like if I can, if I, if I can follow what I think was going on in Paul's mind, then maybe I'm following along with what his main point is. And if I can't do that at all, then I have to sort of stop and wonder if I'm getting anything that he's writing. So if you leave verse 23 out, this flows really nice to me. You stick it in there, and all of a sudden, it's like, why did he stop? And he stick this piece of advice in amongst his conversation about church elders. So maybe... Maybe since it doesn't make sense, maybe I've missed everything there, but some commentaries, I have two commentaries that essentially say they think Paul just stopped in the middle, a thought popped into his head and he added it. One said, well, maybe there's a possibility he's referring to verse 22, which ends with him giving advice to Timothy to keep himself pure. And so he's saying, okay, but don't take that too far. You have got to take care of your health as well. I'm not sure exactly what the order of Paul's thoughts was, why he came here, but the broader context is feeling to me like this sense of taking care of the people who are leading a congregation. And the context or the, the connotation of this verse is Paul's focus on the health of Timothy. And so it seems like there is this idea of care for somebody all along. Timothy apparently gets sick a lot. And Paul's convinced that this is in part because Timothy has decided to completely abstain from all alcohol. So I know that Christians argue about this a lot. Um, this verse can be somewhat useful for giving us a little guidance here, but Paul's focus is on Timothy's health. 
And I'm going to keep it there for now. Elders who are constantly sick are limited in their ability to serve the congregation. So we, we never can control our health. We know that. It's, but there are things that we can do that help or things that we can do that hinder. And I think maybe you can conclude from this that Paul is saying, if you are leading a congregation, do everything you can to make your health as good as possible. What's outside of your hands, you're not responsible for. But what's within your control, do that as best you can so that you're able to serve well. So that would be my thought as to how Paul's thoughts might be flowing along there, but I am not completely sure of that. So my best understanding of this passage for today is Paul is writing to Timothy to give him guidance about how the congregation should take care of those who lead. And he, so he says, make sure that your leaders have adequate finances. Remember, especially those who put in the most time for those, for example, who would prepare sermons or lessons. But don't forget those who do less visible roles who still faithfully serve the congregation. But perhaps more importantly, Paul says, hold your congregational leaders accountable. Choose them wisely, then trust them, but hold them accountable and never show favoritism. It doesn't matter if it's your best friend. You still must discipline if necessary, even if it's going to result in very bad publicity for the congregation or the denomination. And there's lessons there that churches have struggled with many times. Hold leaders accountable. And lastly, take care of your leaders by being very cautious about calling them into the position in the first place. Be slow. Take time to get to know them over many, many years. Make sure that they are ready to be offering oversight. For a long time, let them be under oversight of others, and then eventually maybe call some to be the overseers of others. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from September 4th, 2022. The passage was 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through 25. Take care.
Oh,